When you decided you weren't fond of life in Washington, D.C., but then you spent 18 months in Darby, <laughs> it's that's some MLS. Oh, a North man. American soccer podcast with myself, Andrew Bates, and Nick Thornton. That's right. The Rooney apologists have returned. <laughs> <laughs> Rooney's back in a big way. Right. Um, that's right. That's By the right. time people listen to this, I'm sure it will be official. I think as of right now, he's in D.C. We've seen him in the airport. He's meeting with the club. But he's back. So that was the big that was the big point on the uh, the idea that I read in The Athletic. Um, for Pablo Mar is that like DC fans kind of thought that he was not down to live in DC anymore. And that that was the whole reason for him going to Derby County in the first place or, or trying to, to play out his last. Um, it could work well for DC. They certainly, everybody loved, you know, everybody quite enjoyed the, the, the influence of, of Rooney. And I think Rooney stay in DC helped, burnish his image as like a, a a leader of man almost in a in a different way than he than he had previously that allowed him to be a manager in the first place it certainly seemed like for parts of it and i mean i know that it, over in england especially wayne rooney's private life is is a lot more front and center than it ever was in mls days but i do feel like it's fair to say there were some off-field circumstances that seem to crop up here and there that I, I wonder how much of a distraction that was or if part of the family not being settled was other proclivities of his. <laughs> like, you know, not trying to, like, create a story out of nothing, but reading between the lines a bit and recalling some of the, the stories that cropped up during his stay. Just wondering if some of that had anything to do with, you know, them going away and, and maybe coming back. All, all I'm trying to say is that I think it ultimately would be a great thing for DC because Lord knows they need some direction. My hope is just that, you know, Rooney can be focused on the footballing part of things. That's right. Well, it'll be, it's a, it's, it's a different guy, you know, he's, he's gone through the, the manager thing that the, there's no, um there's nothing that I've seen here that intends He's he's completely done as a player, right? Yeah. Pay attention to League One, so I'm not 100 sure. But <laughs> uh, but um, but like so so that'll that'll be different. They wanted to bring in Hernan Losada. Um, he was a, a wanted sort of like a a one a, a new prodigy of a manager who had ideas and was very uh, very tough trainer, and, and, and that didn't pan out. They had Chad Ashton in as the as the interim coach, and uh, um, certainly, despite the fact, I wouldn't say that the last couple of weeks have been garbage for DC. You know, they had that oh. that that uh, taxi fantastic. <laughs> Parts of it. Well, they had that hat trick. Maybe I'm thinking of the. It's true. Maybe I see no, one I mean, hat trick from taxi, taxi fantastic, and I go, oh. Yeah, no, the DC has not been completely irredeemable for sure. I mean, most recently, the seven nil. Uh, drubbing to Philadelphia <laughs> Union cer certainly Oof. stands out, you know. But I, I, I do think that Rooney has, has certainly proven himself as as a manager in a very tough situation in the last couple of years, and clearly, you know, stayed on and and made a 
a big personal commitment to the to the club and to the players that he was overseeing and it's probably that type of commitment that's going to be needed <clears throat> needed because you know i think dc need a coach that ha- has something to prove and and is hungry for it um and and rooney certainly seems like he's t- taking coaching seriously he's not looking for uh shortcuts or opportunities to just be handed to him and i i think that having a story having connective tissues throughout your career can be a really important thing so i think it looks good uh as well to come back to a club that he's played at a club that is in need of some direction and you know an opportunity that's going to present a really big challenge but also an opportunity for dc to take some of that wayne rooney energy and show that they're they're still in this thing how often do you get to have like an aspiring european manager and somebody who has experience with the mls system yeah i mean like in terms of a pedigree i think that wayne rooney would fit in with just about any mls club and and certainly (laughs) it makes sense to be with the one that he played at yeah so the, the the last time we talked um, we talked about sort of like a, a, a chapter two of the season that would, um, you know, peg itself around the departure of Matt Turner and the uh, arrival of Lorenzo Insigne. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, we haven't actually seen Insigne yet. <laughs> because Nor will we he, for a little bit. <laughs> he still has the cap injury. Uh, but there has been, um, I would say there's been a lot of... Uh, that that those forces those those reorganizational forces um are hard at work and have been hard at work in the time since we talked and i it's think the, the most surprising move in addition to all that because we talked about uh chiellini previously mm-hmm. um is that now uh the the big star has moved to lafc gareth Bale, the the tottenham hotspur former tottenham hotspur former um Real Madrid at the end of sort of the longest um, troll, the six-year troll in in European football history um, following the extension, at which point basically player and club um, hated each other with a passion, it felt. Yeah, just a little bit. Didn't feel like there was a lot of love lost in that relationship. My favorite new... so. There's a lot to unpack here with 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 why and and what is happening here. Um, I think my favorite like little piece I saw was like on a Spanish uh, LAFC account. He uh, gave a I in I'm not I'm not a Spanish speaker, but an introduction to the fans in what felt like perfect Spanish, um, which led everybody to be like, ah, I guess he didn't just forget. Because that was my understanding is especially early in his time, um, that was one of the many reasons that the tabloid newspaper Marca found fault with him that he wouldn't talk in in Spanish and right. in press conferences. Yeah. So there's just so much baggage. Um, I guess like I'm a Spurs fan. Um, well, no one's the, perfect. His, uh well his stay his stay with Tottenham last year uh people still kind of roast Spurs about it for saying that essentially it was offering him a gym pass um <laughs> to get ready for Wales in advance of 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 the European Championship um is this a gym pass is this a uh, a chance at, at more glory 
What is what is this for a player who some people talk about as though his club career is already over? You're asking me? Yes. Oh, I was going to ask you the same question. <laughs> <laughs> I was re- going to rely on your expertise here. Uh, I mean, it's it's really hard to say. I think that... I don't think LAFC have signed him to be their breakout star. No. I think they have signed him on what must be an amazing deal because somehow it's a TAM deal and he's not a DP. Um, however, that worked out great for them. Um, that is a wild part of things. Yeah, and there's been some questions raised over it already, but in terms of his impact on the field, I think... LAFC have been pretty clear, but the same reasoning of bringing in Chiellini is not necessarily to have a senior player that's starting every single game and going the full 90. It's to have players that are going to push you across the finish line and get you deep into the playoffs. Well, LAFC was already sitting first in the West with fewest goals conceded and most goals scored before those two players arrived. So... I mean, the scary kind of thing is I think they're there to be reinforcements. I don't think <laughs> I don't think they're going to be I don't think the expectation is Gareth Bale all of a sudden brings a new level of goal production to LAFC. I think he the goal is for him to to slot in and continue to provide and put pressure on teams and that's always been when LAFC have played at their best. I mean, we had a couple of seasons where it just seemed like every week they were buying a new attacking player. And of course we've seen a lot of changeover in that as well. So I don't think it's a gym pass. I I think Gareth Bale knows what he's signing up for. And and I think MLS now has a reputation for European players as sure a place where you can extend your career a little bit, but also get in on something that's actually interesting and exciting (laughs) You know, for a good price. There's a lot of leagues that these players could go to, and oftentimes they probably could make more money. LAFC has done an incredible job of building up a brand and some more international recognition, and Gareth Bale's part of that. So, yeah, I I mean, of course I think we're going to see a, a great player do some damage. And I think we'll also see him get introduced to MLS and get bodied a bunch and have some calls not go his way and and all the rest of it. So I'm not expecting that it's going to be the most incredible contribution from a European European player to MLS ever, but I don't think he's coming here to, to just do a victory lap either by here. I mean, there in LA, I kind of agree with that. I feel like he has a certain amount of like, I don't think that he – I think he, he, he didn't disappoint when he was at Tottenham. I mean, I don't think that it, we, he lit the world on fire, but this is a player with, like, you know, serious injury issues. You can't rely on him. Yeah. And Spurs were happy to pay what felt like was a, a, a large – what must have been a large wave, wage bill to have him do his thing when he felt like it. And now apparently um, – LAFC, who's been able to structure a deal where I think that the idea is if he stays for a second year, he becomes a DP. Mm. He becomes a DP in year two. Well, and I'm um, also thinking about it from like Chiellini and Bale's perspective is like you're offered what I'm assuming is just raft loads of cash and there will be the endorsement deals and all of that that comes along with being a player in America. And you're moving to fucking LA. Like, what's 
<laughs> it's not it's, a good... it's such an easy obvious do you like do you want to keep playing soccer with like pretty low expectations um but like it's a still competitive league and also you'll be in la like yeah of course i think you'll do i think you'll do well and and hopefully that will be able to be well for him i wonder if if like you know nhl had this big they basically had a lockout over the idea of structuring contact contracts with um high with low average annual like essentially high years at the end of the contract to um to be able to pay out somebody while having a lower average annual value to fit under the salary cap mm. um and like this was this was this was the the genesis of like 12 year contracts that were offered to players that like created I'm trying to remember what year it was but I think like the the 2013 lockout or or, or mm. the second the second big one basically mm-hmm. was because teams were teams were backloading these these deals to fit under the salary cap. I don't know exact I'm not parting to every detail of the Gareth Gareth Bale's deal. Um but if teams are starting to attempt to circumvent the salary cap somewhat by basically agreeing telling a player you know there's going to be an average annual value to your liking and that allows you to be a tam player in one year of the contract and a tam and a dp in the other year of the contract like i don't know that that suits the spirit (laughs) what we're supposed to be doing here with these well, and I, I wish I'd uh, made a note of it when I saw it, but there was an MLS coach who sort of like raised his eyebrows at the signings and basically kind of said like, well, that's interesting. <laughs> like somehow they've managed to do this. So we, I mean, we've already seen it with Inter Miami where, you know, they, everybody was like, wow, how are they making this work? And it turns out they'd broken every rule and then were punished and had to send the players out. So who knows? Um, but, you know, LAFC is known as having a pretty, like, tight front office that's good at making deals. So I imagine, you know, there's some way of doing it. And I would also expect that, like, the league is going to bend over backwards to, like, bend the rules for, you know, big-name signings like this. I know that they didn't for Inter-Miami, but I don't know. They, they've done it before. They've done it before um, to to raise the profile of the league, and it does. Of course, the question always just becomes like, well, the whole reason behind the salary caps and the, the crazy complex rules is to try to keep it somewhat equitable. But if certain clubs are somehow able to to make those dollars stretch further than others, then I, I think it requires a little bit of extra scrutiny. Speaking of uh, consequences and in internal land, or Inter Miami, um, the uh, the Toronto FC has gone all in on the uh, Sign Italians project. They sure have. Um, in addition to Insigne, they're getting Domenico Crescido, um, who used to play for Genoa, and they're getting uh, Federico Bernardeschi. Bernardeschi's um, in, who I only know from career mode in FIFA, um, but he has served me some <laughs> great crosses, so that's... <laughs> That's how I know about him. So he's also from from Juve. Um, like uh, he's he's from Juventus. Um, and the thing that 
the you know you have to ask you know as as a club is is um putting all these players together you know who moves and it is the end of Alejandro Pozuelo in Toronto he has gone for one hundred and fifty thousand uh, dollars in general allocation money um to Inter Miami that's right along with also Ralph Preso that's right some guy. <laughs> Maybe maybe I maybe I'm doubting Ralph Preso. Maybe I'm not. No, I feel like not, I mean, uh, Preso is like a. I feel like he's been a very uh, promising, good young player. But uh, I, I mean, yeah, I, I I don't know. It seems it seems like a low number to me. And then also throwing in a player, but I don't know. Sometimes these deals happen in strange ways. Um, and that brings also Mark Anthony K in. From Colorado. So it's kind of too interesting because I feel like it's two fairly big impact players, obviously, maybe not on quite the, the same level, but, you know, Pozuelo for Toronto, it wasn't that long ago that we were talking about, like, MVP material and th- this sort of breakout player for Toronto. Oh, yeah, he was the 2020 MVP. Yeah, and, and now slid down the charts considerably. Obviously, there's been a few injury issues um tfc has just been bad for long stretches <laughs> so i i feel like i don't know personally i see this as probably the right time to move past this player but of course like all the reasons that i would give for that would also be good reasons for having moved past bradley <laughs> um but I, I I don't know. Do you think that it makes sense to 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 move on from Pozuelo right now? And do you think Mark Anthony K is is a good replacement um, to fit in with Toronto's system? Well, I think that I've seen a there's there's two parts of that, and and one of that is I think that when I look at Pozuelo, I think of the role that he like essentially when. Uh, when TFC exited the Javinko area era, it was like mm. we've got to um, we've got to find a new guy to fill this like mold of being the uh, being the talisman. There yeah. has to be a new a new hero for Toronto. Um, you know, Ignacio Piatti was not that. No, and Pasuelo was like I think that you know he was the MVP. He. Um, he had done great. I am not exactly privy to whether or not, you know, um, like he, uh, perhaps some injury issues, but I wasn't aware of him like having significantly fallen off, which, which would j- essentially just point to the idea that this movie is because he's, he's no longer in that hero position. Insigne is. Mm. But Insigne is also injured. <laughs> you know, these players are, this is this is going all in on this idea of the, of, of this project, um, and I'm not necessarily saying it's wrong. It's what they're doing. Sometimes you got to commit to the thing that you're doing. But like, um, what did what did Miami think it was getting out of Iguain? You know, like if mm-hmm. if it ends up being, and I don't I don't necessarily say Iguain has been like overall a failure, but I don't also think that. I think it's demonstrably true that he has not single-handedly lifted the club to the, to the top level. And, and to a certain extent, when you think of all three of those other names, Javinko, 
um, Piatti and Pozuelo, that is what their job was in TFC. There was a second part that you were mentioning. Yes. And that was that was the right. the Mark Anthony K part and, and, and the value part. Yeah. This sort of almost dovetails to our last point about the last thing where it's like, so Pozuelo is $150,000 in, in, in GAM. Mm-hmm. And Mark Anthony K is 1.025 million in game plus a player. Yeah. Um, I follow a couple Rapids fans on on Twitter. <laughs> there are some Rapids fans that are like, "Boo, get out of town!" Like, like the, the are I you know I like Mark Anthony K, but I don't. Uh, and and I don't necessarily think he's like like there are some people that are legitimately like like totally done with him. I won't. I wouldn't say that, but I also wouldn't say that he, like, I think the reason why he was in Colorado is because LAFC felt that he was movable. Yeah, and I, I think it was good business from Colorado at the time. I think for me, it was never really clear what it was the Rapids wanted him to be. Um, To me, Mark Anthony K is definitely, like, a very solid central defensive mid, but I wouldn't have him as my furthest player back. I feel like the times he was best for LAFC, he was playing more as like a roaming attacking mid or a center attacking mid. So I, I don't know that he necessarily was like a a great fit. And sometimes you just buy a good player and hope that they'll work out. And Mark Anthony K is also like he's not in his prime. He's still a pretty young player. He's he's great. I really like him. Um, I think he probably fits in with Toronto a little bit more. But my big question is just like what what is the role he's expected to play? I would imagine you're going to have continue to have Bradley furthest back, and that might allow Mark Anthony K if they're on at the same time to be further ahead. And to me, that makes sense. But back to the the value piece for a second. For me, I mean, just the disparity in in cost there, and certainly you have a younger and an older player, but in MLS, I feel like ultimately your decisions are judged by value and production. And certainly there's plenty of players in MLS that will get you double digits and in assists or goals. Maybe not many, but a good number. And so for me, I think moving on from Pozuela makes sense when that production dropped below a certain point, regardless of the other things going on around it or the reasons you just can't be paying a player that kind of salary and not getting the return on it. What's interesting to me is that teams continue to, to sort of spend huge dollars and not to get too money ball about it, but like huge money on players that score six or seven goals in a season when domestically there's actually a good number of senior players that can probably do that for you. You know, like I think about somebody like Freddie Montero that flies pretty under the radar, but like he'll get you 10 goals a season on a significantly lower salary than some of these players. Of course it depends who's available. So that's a part of it as well. I think for me, it's just like with all the numbers floating around, I'm trying to sort of evaluate, but like, but are you getting the 
10 goals or 10 assists a season from that kind of player if you're paying them that kind of salary. And if you're not, then I I ultimately think that you could spend less and and get better. Um, I think ultimately, though, those most of the moves that we've talked about, like they make sense for the clubs involved. You talk about uh, Kay as a as a central defensive midfielder. Um, to what extent do you think that the 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 job may be less to play alongside Bradley, but to potentially supplant Bradley? That's another conversation we've had. Sure. About yeah. what might happen to that player eventually. Yeah, absolutely, and and I mean, I I feel like, um, you know. Bradley will give you 90 minutes whether he's fully fit to play it or not. But yeah, I I mean it it could very well be. Um I I think Toronto would probably play better soccer with the two of them on a on the pitch. Um but yeah, it it certainly could be as, as with eyes to a bit of a replacement and I think the thing that I like about Mark Mark Anthony K is that he's a good age for um, for bringing into a club that needs a little bit more direction and I think just like assurance. And if Toronto can be really clear about what they're needing from from Kay, I think he'll be able to provide it. I think the um, while it's for you know insides, people that are are not as fond of this player's performance in in Colorado might have a, a an issue with it. But from the outside, it's also like what's going on with Colorado? Like, what's the plan after this? And I just enjoyed the quotes here um, from Parag Smith in, in uh, uh, MLSsoccer.com where he says, it's folly, really, to look at these deal in isolation, says a GM who just made a really bizarre-looking deal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fair. Please don't judge me. Please don't judge me, because this looks strange. Um, so we'll see. I, it, it certainly doesn't help what I kind of thought was going on with the Pozuelo thing, which was balance. Like, you can't just sign 80 Italian players and then keep all of your existing guys. Well, now now they also, on top of all that, have a million dollars to splash around? Yeah. Well, and then the other sort of interesting piece for, for TFC is also that uh, Salcedo is very likely out now as well, and uh, seemingly with... Rumors that he will be returning to Mexico, you know, a little, was it just over six months or just under six months that he's been with TFC? And mm. it, I, it's interesting because I feel like MLS clubs now are really sometimes more comfortable with being halfway through the season and just rolling the dice or taking the hit on a player where they, they've just hemorrhaged money on them. But I, I mean, I think it's fair to say Salcedo's clearly a very experienced player and he he's had a pretty terrible time of it at TFC. Like it's not been good. And I I like that move. I think that sometimes you just got to admit it didn't work out and and move on rather than continue to to try to make something work that that just isn't working. I'm usually a fan um you know the the one of the the oldest conversations with MLS is um MLS should get on the international calendar and run fall to spring, like quote unquote, every other league, every other league does not do that. But like, you know, like the big European league so that it can be a part of the big party or whatever, like Mm -hmm. for things like the club world cup or whatever. I usually am not 
uh, I'm usually not on board with that because, you know, it just, it makes a lot of sense to play soccer in the summer, I feel. Mm-hmm. And just the, the you know, it, it makes less sense to try and play at BMO Field in December. Yeah. <laughs> um, the one thing that has been, do you find it fine and, and interesting to have this shuffling of the deck halfway through the season, or is it a little distracting? Um, It is a little distracting, like nobody's asking me but if if i was the head coach of toronto i mean they have conceded uh their second worst in the eastern conference they're sitting in 12th place with 19 points i did the math the other day and my guess is it's probably going to take teams about 50 points if not slightly more to make the playoffs this season like Toronto really doesn't have anything to lose. And I think after having achieved such great heights and fallen so quickly, I don't think they want to dwell in a bad situation for too long. And and that's where I feel like, yeah, if you're Toronto, it's okay. If you're DC, sure. Why not? I think for a club like, uh, you know, Cincinnati right now, <laughs> If they all of a sudden decided to start shuffling the deck and being like, oh, you know what? Like, we still need a few, uh, like, we need to tweak something. I go like, no, you, this is, you finally have success. Just like, it's, it may not be perfect, but like ride it out to the end of the line and see where you end up at the end of the season kind of thing. Um, yeah. Like you can get a mulligan. If you feel like you've got a mulligan, you, you, you need a mulligan. Sure. Throw everything and throw it all out and try to start anew. Yeah, and not to try to like tie too many things together, but another piece of news is that Minnesota United um, renewed Adrian Heath's contract, which seemed to leave a lot of Minnesota United fans scratching their heads. But I, I think that's Minnesota kind of going, well, who else do we get? And like we're, we're maybe not quite at the level that we want to be at, but... Do you just keep the thing for consistency because Minnesota has had a lot of lineup changes. <laughs> Adrian Heath has been the through line. And do you just sort of keep what you got and keep building from there? Um, w- which I think makes a, l- a little bit more sense because when you're sitting in sixth in the table and like, you're not doing great, but you're doing okay. It probably makes less sense to fire a coach for, slightly underachieving and then just seeing what you get. I think you may go where you're at halfway through the season, I think matters for those, those kinds of decisions. And if you're above the playoff line, I think it usually makes more sense in MLS to be like, just don't touch anything. Just, just keep going. You make a, um, you make a great point about the level of competition, because I think that not only um, of the teams that are above the line, you know, there's maybe some that that are gettable, but like you know, the teams the teams above the line are doing well, and the teams there are a lot of teams below the line that are thinking like we've got to put it into gear. We've got to we're you know you know we're Seattle or Portland or or New England. We're not where we want to be, and you know mm-hmm. we've we've got to try and put put the pedal to the metal here. It's gonna be hard to it's gonna be hard to 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 make it in over the line through what is becoming a busy pack, you know, um, Houston just brought in Hector Herrera, mm-hmm. 
Um, Columbus have a new guy. Yeah. Uh, Cucho Hernandez. Yep. So also scored on d- his debut too. Like, yeah, it's it, it, crowded is the perfect word for it. As these clubs reinforce, like you say, especially the ones that are chasing the pack, like Columbus and New England, who probably shouldn't be. Yeah, I mean, they they bring in a few more pieces and grind out some more wins, and you have a very congested table that's already pretty tight. As you noted, um, Columbus, who. I like if you had to ask me, you know, where are they at? Um, I would not have said, you know, on the bubble of the playoff line, because it seems like it's been a, a, a something of a tough year for them. Um, mm-hmm. And when they step up against Chicago, a team that's been doing very not well, <laughs> and uh, and they've got in their you're you're staring down two nothing against Chicago. It's just like, oh man, things are. Things are rough, um, but then they have a they have a they have a comeback in 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 hand. They sure do. Um, but yeah, no, I feel like that's a, a fair assessment of Columbus. I had sort of felt like they were doing better as well, but I I've seen I think our Twitter following is slightly skewed Columbus way, and so I I feel like I've I've seen that people haven't been too happy with performances, but defensively they've been still pretty solid um but dropping points but etienne jr certainly came in and made a big impact and i feel like that's been a criticism of columbus is that at times they're just very flat and and not super creative and and not able to generate things moving forward and etienne jr got the note because (laughs) he really just sort of scores out of nothing in the 63rd minute um and then they're just sort of working the ball back and forth and picking up second balls and Etienne Jr. scores again to uh, to tie things. Yeah, that was an interesting one. Uh, the the uh, the pass from Diaz, that second one was pretty good to find him near the near the far post. Yep. Not yep. on the far post. He was kinda like out of the six yard box, but but the the furthest on the outside. Yeah. Yeah, and then um it was just sort of a, a sloppy giveaway from Chicago, which I feel like, you know, that'll happen in a game against them. And new guy Cucho Hernandez is wide open on his run, scores an easy goal. Columbus was able to come away with all three goals. But I, I feel like, yeah, you'd still be, you'd be cautiously optimistic that the new guy is great. And also that you had to go down 2-0 to Chicago to, like, find your feet. It's... Good to get the win, and also it probably made it much harder for themselves than they they really needed to be. I feel like the last couple of weeks, you know, there was a game like this last week against uh, between New York City and Atlanta. There have been climactic tie goals. Yes, you know, some sort of big event, and it's like, oh my god! Um, in one of these was uh, in Toronto FC versus San Jose. Above a sea with a huge ball pulling back range. Um, who needs Insigne when you have DeAndre Care, her playing the uh, the playing the uh, Caden Braden Graden role? His name came up so much in this broadcast. Uh, I think it's fair to say <laughs> Kerr Kerr was ready for this one and not ready to lose to San Jose because he just seemed to be everywhere and very very close. Um, 
yeah, I think he gets his goal in the 70th minute. It's a nice, really nice curling finish. And then he assists Azario, I think, as well, to put uh, to put Toronto up a ri- late in the game. But, of course, it does not stay that way. You'd think it was good work, but uh, but it doesn't. You're right. It does not pan out. Um, and San Jose scores in stoppage time to make it 2-2. Yeah, Skahan, I think, was the substitute who came on, and it's just sort of a, a fortuitous bounce. I feel like a lot of the goals that Toronto have given up have been off of just kind of like second balls or like just, you know, really more like defensive errors than than like what am i thinking of is like then a lot of bad giveaways it's just sort of like they're there but then defensively it just all gets a bit like scrambled (laughs) and sometimes there's a big save or it comes off the post or something but like you don't like you don't want to give a team like san jose too many chances like they they have a gear to them which is scoring lots of goals and just putting the ball on frame and that's kind of what happened here not the worst uh result in the world but Toronto again yeah just seems to really lack uh the organization to see out a game um you know it's like it's a decent point I just feel like Toronto really needs to turn some of these games uh into three points especially ones when you you actually go up over the other team but was not to be you have uh in Houston Dallas which was a which was a wild seeming game you have this glance header uh, for Matt Hedge, Hedges, and then you have a uh, just a, a sort of an outrageous, um, like a like a blocked header that turns in, or a, a a blocked bicycle kick goal that turns into a finish. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. That's right. Um, blocked and it, it bounces out to Ulfarsson. That's right. I think it was a center back too that had that bicycle kick that went off the post. Um, that's amazing speaking of just like putting balls on frame i think houston (laughs) and dallas kind of had that one in in this one um so they had been uh there had been uh there was two goals in stoppage time here with uh jesus ferreira scoring on 93 and then teenage hadebi yeah with a big home tire goal something about the the teenagers for these texas teams really seem to like turn out for the big games um, off of a block shot quintero had a block shot that had fallen to uh, that individual that's right yeah no i, I feel like it was a, a weird one there were some interesting calls here but i i feel like this is kind of a, a fair result i feel like dallas and houston always kind of have these games where it's like heated but ultimately it finishes and you're like yeah okay well point each obviously dallas much further ahead in the table sitting in fourth um houston surprisingly to me is is just in 11th i feel like they're a better side than their results have shown um so i feel like this is a a good point for them to get to get something out of this one but i feel like this was kind of one of the the rivalry games that was exciting but ultimately didn't tell us a lot about either club Another uh, climactic draw came in RSL in Colorado with uh, Jefferson Sabarino's uh, having lots of time to turn around the score outside the box to give uh, RSL the, late, the lead. 
Uh, Ruiz free kick hits the bar and it's fired in. Um, Rubio gets Colorado one closer with a free kick. And then for the second week in a row, Lala Sabubakar. That's right. Hits the, hits the volley. A scorer. Man, I just love that, like, no matter what you need, Abubakar is popping up doing the job, you know? <laughs> like, <laughs> headers in either box, like, he, he's a great, just, like, classic out-and-out defender, and also he can score strikers' goals. Like, why not? Um, yeah, there's a, another penalty in this one. Barrios is, is brought down. I feel like people took issue with this one. I don't. I don't know. It looked like a pe- clear penalty to me. So I, I saw some people sort of questioning the, the end result here and whether RSL deserved the point. But from my eyes, it looked like uh, a fair result for both sides. Um, another, uh, unlike, another game with an unlikely scorer um, was El Trafico. You know, we're talking about all these new players, the Gareth Bales, the Giorgio Chiellini. Well, you have Samuel Grancier. <laughs> <laughs> who hasn't scored since El Trafico last year um, with the tie goal uh, on 55 minutes um, after Cifuentes had uh, scored first for LAFC. That's right. Yeah, this was an interesting one. Honestly, my money was down on uh, LA Galaxy, and by my money, I mean my MLS fantasy sp- space bucks. Um yeah, I thought Galaxy was going to come out on top on this one, but I think there was just obviously like a very certain energy with LAFC. They had Bale in the building, they had Chiellini on the bench. Um, so I, I think that played into it a little bit. That Crapo really bailed them out uh, a number of times as well, because it certainly wasn't for lack of effort from Galaxy. Um, and then it's the, I think in the 80th minute, uh, Edwards just sends in a ball that ends up kind of on the other side of the box, which finds its way to Revelson, who scores, and it stays that way. And LAFC take all three points to, I believe, remain firmly atop uh, of the table. David, like you said, scary. Scary that they're the ones that have made all of these these acquisitions. And, and that's kind of a point that you make about, you know, reinforcements is that if they were trying to reorganize their squad right now, it would obviously be the worst, the, the bad time. But that's when, when acquisitions are, can, big European acquisitions can be kind of a problem is when the club is really about to try and lean on them. Yeah, like when you don't really need them. Like I, I think LAFC also who were able to, to re-sign Vela since we last talked as well. Like I I don't, I, I think they're addressing some some concerns and bringing in two great players, but yeah, I think they're they're sitting uh, high up in the West, and I think the thing that it really says to me from about these moves and the way they're playing is also that like they've been in this position before, they've been top of the the West, and they've gone into the playoffs in these situations, and they really just have always lacked a certain bite or maybe it was experience. And, and so they're trying to remedy that. Um, LAFC is the real deal. No, no one can accuse them of, of not coming up with a plan and, and just getting things done and addressing the concerns. So Vancouver Whitecaps um, had previously, I feel like, especially with the result of this game, you've got to feel that, that the Whitecaps got away with one. 
um, by by beating LAFC in the last match week because then when they uh, jumped in against Minnesota, they did not have at home. They did not have such a good time. They did not. I, oh, I almost went to this game, and then something in my gut told me not to go, and it turns out I <laughs> saved myself a long walk back across the Camby Bridge. Um, Cavallini actually is able to kick off the scoring in the 60th minute, um, and I thought that was a, a good sign. Um, but apparently it was not, because Minnesota was able to smash in three goals in 15 minutes and <laughs> in BC place. Really not a good result. Uh, Kubas was subbed off early with a, a slight injury. Also, we found out Caicedo was out for the rest of the season due to uh, a knee issue. He has since had that surgery sucks. on. But that sucks. Um, it's not great. You know, I feel like Vancouver's slogan should just be, like, good enough to make you hope. Uh, or good enough to get your hopes up. But we've talked about this before, where they they get some results, but they're... And sometimes it's from really good team play, but, you know, like the RSL result is kind of really more a result of RSL not playing great than Vancouver playing well. And so they've had a few games like that where I feel like, you know, they've worked for the three points, but also the situation needed to play out a certain way for them to get there and the other team to not be playing quite as well. But, yeah, it it doesn't look good. Sartini talked about the importance of this game before and how it really felt more like a six-point game. And to come away with nothing from it, heading into a road stretch, it, it just, again, puts a lot of pressure on on a team that you don't necessarily need. We'll see what happens on, on the road trip. Vancouver, I think at best you could say they're uh, inconsistent on the road. Sometimes they pick up strange wins on the road and they also go out sometimes and like lose five in a row so uh should be interesting i know that there's always this um this referendum with vancouver in the back three um i have to admit in recent weeks it has gone better yep um but this certainly seems to have been um a week in which you know uh when when the focus is lost it all kind of just falls apart it's true. Um, you know, I, I think that I, I see it a little bit more um, in terms of a style that could suit Vancouver. Um, but, I mean, for me, Veselinovic leading that back line, I mean, he, he can be a great player, but there's just, there's multiple times here where him and Nerwinski, like, if you've got that back three, you've got to be holding a tight line you need to be communicating and to both get beaten and i think you know there's a bit of slipping on the pitch and and things like that and the stuff that's forgivable but also stuff that will for sure get you punished by good teams and i think if you're going to be playing three at the back then you need to really consider bringing in significant reinforcements that are uh, just a higher caliber player, than, and that's not an insult to the players that are currently in those positions, but um, I, I don't think that that's the personnel that is going to work in that back three, personally. I don't hate Veselinovich. Like you, just like you said, this is not to say that, that he's the worst, but in, in, and I'm going to also expand that conversation to include Cody Cropper, who is quite likable. Who is the backup? Has been thrust into this role and has been doing his best. There's at no point 
have I felt that he has been, you know, slacking or, or you know, giving less than 110%. Um, but it's just a big bet on on players like that. And and I even feel that when, you know, if, if I think Hazal was training and then had another injury setback, even mm-hmm. when Hazal comes back, it'll be a big bet on him. And it was in the, in the, that was at problems at the beginning of the season as well. Yeah. I'm a little bit more comfortable with Cropper at the back. I, I think he's been good. And I think Vancouver is one of those clubs that pro- has proven that if you get the right goalkeeper, you don't have to spend a ton of money there and, the, and they can be just as good and productive from a goalkeeper stance as a player that costs you a lot more. Um, but yeah, like, you know, I, I'm, I'm not convinced that Brown and Norwinsky as center backs in that back three is, is the right call. Um, I prefer them as, as wing backs in a four and Veselinovic, I, I think is a great depth center back, but I, I just, there's or partner, or, you know? Yeah. But it, there's just times with some of the positioning where I'm, I'm like, he's just, he's so far up. And and it's not just him. It's the whole back line. Again, if you're a back three, you just have to have such great positional awareness. But it seems like when they're in attack, their third center back is actually moving further up. And so you really just have the the two there, which it, it more closely resembles this, the positions you'd have with four at the back. Anyway, I'm I'm <laughs> losing myself in the formation here. My point being is just that you there's got to be great communication and a, a really tight line held, and they were just too easily beaten too many times, and and you'd just be like, where is everyone? You've got th- only three defenders. They need to be <laughs> in the right places. Why do you have one guy way further up joining the attack? Like, isn't the the point is to have your extra wingers, as it were, further ahead? I it just. Yeah, I get what I see. What Sartini's trying to do, and I think it might be a, a personnel thing. Um, you know, Joe, uh, I'll speak a thought into existence here that is half absolute chaos, and then I can almost, but like I, I, I cackle when I think of it. But then uh, uh, I almost, th- I almost talk myself into it. <laughs> Post cackle, Donnell Henry just became available. It's true. It's true. I mean, as much as I love him, I also consider him like very much a depth center back. I don't necessarily think he would be a great starter here, but I mean, maybe. I don't know. To me, it makes more. He was. Yeah. It makes more sense when you have uh, you know a player like Youngworth who who has had moments good and bad, but you know you're playing him as a central defensive mid over his natural position as a center back which like he was okay at um i don't know i i just you know blackman hasn't really worked out that well either so far they're all good players they're all out there working hard but there's just a, an awful lot of mistakes that can seem to keep happening through the same players in the same positions so I don't know, man. I, I, I never really know what the White Caps answer is. It, it seems like the answer is always, it's kind of everything. <laughs> Someone who doesn't really know uh, how to explain the, the situation before him is, is Bruce Arena, who uh, went with New England Revolution to New York City SC um, 
and witnessed a team mm. get uh, three penalty kicks for the first time. Yeah. <clears throat> that was a it was a weird one. Tati gets his three PKs and three goals. Uh, the old hat trick penalty kicks, as it were. I, I I'm gonna side a little bit with Brucey on this one. I, I think that he's he's got some valid grievances. I mean, three PKs and and I think just a lot of indecision around it. One of them for sure. Two of them maybe. <laughs> but New England will feel aggrieved, and a, a New York City that has had some some dicey moments themselves are able to come away with uh, all three points. I get, I get it. It's it's frustrating. Um, for me, also, I feel like there's been points in New England's games in in the past month or so where it just seems to kind of all come apart. <laughs> and whether that the third co- goal, yeah. Just I have Danny here totally disorganized. The goalkeeper is trying to compete with space with defenders on two separate occasions in the in the in the process. Yeah, and it's things like that where I'm like, okay, it's fair to question some of the calls that go against you, totally. But also, you need to not <laughs> so horrendously concede at, at times. So that may sound a, a bit harsh and unfair, but I, I, I feel like <clears throat> what's more fair to say is that New England has been playing well below their levels, and certainly there's been some calls that have not gone their way that, that probably should have. Um and and I think City, you know, certainly had a lot go right for them to get those three points, but they also had to do that work and score those four goals. Um, New England, it feels like there's there's gas, but that like that dominant New England that we saw a lot of last season, I don't feel like I've seen that team this season. We talked a little bit about this already, but the. Uh... Philadelphia just lighting up DC for seven goals for a seven nothing win, which I think I saw somewhere on Twitter was the the uh, a tie for worst loss in league history. Yeah, I think I think eight nil might have been the the biggest all time loss, but I think it was the ah. record loss for DC. Um, right, or tied for their worst loss. Yeah, I mean it was just like complete capitulation um and like i don't know this will happen to you in mls i feel like a good half of the clubs get just spanked by somebody at some point in the season (laughs) white caps usually do it with it do or do it to themselves with skc um just a long hard night of the soul yeah yeah but this was kind of one of those games where it's like you can't tweet fast enough like as you're tweeting about the last goal <laughs> the next goal is already being scored and i'm like as i'm watching the highlights to the previous two goals another one goes in and you're just like all right so <laughs> Carranza gets a Carranza gets a hat trick and his first goal was a bicycle kick that's right we had a hat trick and two braces for Philadelphia in this one. So as much as DC <laughs> just was not in this one, full credit to Philadelphia Union. Jim Curtin, you cold bastard. <laughs> just this was uh, a Union track meet. That, uh, that, that led to change. Um, another uh, existential crisis causing uh, loss was 
Austin heading into Atlanta's home ground and uh, and coming away with a three nothing win. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't think that one was necessarily surprising so much as just like very disheartening <laughs> for for Atlanta fans and notably as well. Joseph Martinez was very unhappy, um, and in the press conference was calling out some of his teammates for just not being to the level that they need to be, and sort of calling out the front office as well and. I gotta say, like, his points were kind of (laughs) true. Like, it just, it feels like Atlanta has been really uncertain. And speaking of clubs rolling the dice, they've invested enormous amounts of money in players and coaches that haven't seemed to be all that interested in actually holding themselves to as high of a standard as they need to be. So I I don't think Joseph Martinez has been electric by any stretch, but for a player that's trying to make a comeback, I I feel like he's put his head down and really tried to lead. And I think it's fair to to look around at the club and say, like, am I the only one doing this here? Because, yes, they've had a lot of injuries. um, And Austin has been very, very good. But this just, you don't want to be giving up this kind of result at home. You know, to a, an expansion side, doesn't doesn't look good. And that's not to take anything away from Austin, but I think Atlanta needed to take a point away, and that did not happen. <laughs> that's right. Or in year two with Austin, I feel right. Um, we are in year two, but I, I mean, I yeah. I feel like a new. You know, yeah. You can't just let them be the new hotness. Exactly. Well, and and also like you. You're Atlanta United, you know, like you're a top club. You get a sellout crowd. You've got to, you've got to win your home games, or at least you've got to, to get a point out of them. But having the new kid on the block or slightly older kid on the block come around and just, you know, walk all over you at home. That's, that's not, that's not what you want. <laughs> you would prefer not to, um, the, uh, I'm looking here. The uh, Sporting Kansas City, who have not had the best season, um, was able to walk away from Montreal with three points, which is a, um, I would say, that must be an absolute win for them. Yeah, no, a great result. Uh, If a little bit surprising, but Sporting Kansas City showing some signs of life, um, you know, and, and Montreal that just... Oh, Montreal is so confounding to me because I'm always like, really? They're that high up in the table? They don't seem to be doing that great. <laughs> but it's sort of like in all the games that happen, they do they do win. I feel like uh, Kyoto has been great for them, and he actually gets the first goal in this game. Um, and then they just... Oh, man. The gears come off. The The defending becomes... Roger Espinosa, Roger Espinosa with this amazing, uh, like he's, he has the ball and he's facing his own goal in his own half. And he decides I'm going to score. And he just wings it into a defender, pops the ball back out. Um, and then he hits this amazing highlight reel, 40 yard goal, um, to which I have written down. You know, much will be said of the fact that he, that, that people are falling, you know, the, the 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 last player's back are falling down in front of him as he's, as he's trying to put this together. And I'm asking, why is Romel Kyoto the, the center back here? Why is he yeah. the last one back? 
in this situation. Yeah, exactly. Like, good. Thank you, Kyoto, for doing your defensive work. And also, where the fuck are the center backs? <laughs> yeah, I always feel like Montre- Montreal con- continues to be like a very good 60-minute team. Um, and, uh, and then there's just points where you're like, where is everybody and what is happening and why? <laughs> like, This is not what you would call a traditional formation. Okay, cool. Um, the, uh, Charlotte has a, a banner evening at home against Nashville. Um, able to, uh, pull away with a 4-1 win thanks to, uh, a goal on the 89th minute and a stoppage time goal from Andre Shinyashiki. Yeah, yeah, I mean... And I'm sort of thinking back, and I'm like, why were we ever worried about Charlotte? It's like since all the the business hit the fan, it feels like Sh- Charlotte's been pretty good and um, at a, a very good team in Nashville. The Nash- Nashville certainly struggled this season, but known as still a, a defensive powerhouse in the league, and Charlotte pumps them for four goals <laughs> um, is a excellent result for them. And I think if anyone's having an existential crisis, it's Nashville after that game. Um, but yeah, really, really good for them. I don't think it matters all that great to where they are in the standings, but I mean, in sixth place in the East for a team that was supposedly screwed and then fired their manager, uh, sort of early into the firing season, not doing so bad. (laughs) Not doing so bad at all. Sometimes sometimes just shaking it up is is what you need. I don't know how long they'll stay there, but I've said that about teams before that just continue to find ways, and they certainly found ways in this game and and played well. So, um, yeah, great result for them. Last time um, we spoke, you know, you asked... I I had the knee-jerk. You asked for the... The um, you know, first team you would think of who who would be in MLS Cup, and I I went with New York, and then after the podcast, I looked, I looked at the things and I'm like, what was I thinking? They're just in the but now they're at the top of the East. They've got uh, this win over, or sorry, this this draw over Cincinnati on the road. Yep, which I feel like was a, a really good point for Cincinnati to keep things rolling. I think. New York took them seriously, and, you know, they still came away with a, a point in this one. But, yeah, roll on the Red Bulls. It, it, I feel like we have we haven't talked a ton about them, and they've just been sitting up there at the top and putting together performances. And, and yeah, maybe a year or two ago you could say, like, well, is this a good result? I'd say, like, Cincinnati's got momentum behind them, is scoring lots of goals. This is a, a fine result to get to come away with a point. I think both clubs will feel that way. Two red cards following the goals, including a, a you hate to concede a red card in the uh, 93rd minute. Yeah. Yeah, there's definitely some shenanigans this week, but uh, it's not a game until you're getting players sent off in like the 97th minute. Do you uh, know what you hate more than a red card in the in stoppage time? I feel like it might involve uh, bad <laughs> things happening for you at Lumen Field, but what what is it? <laughs> An own goal in stoppage time. Oh, that's right. That's what. Which game was that? That was Orlando Miami. It's in Miami goes that's to right. the away ground of their of their Floridian Floridian rival. 
and everything is going well for them until the last minute. The goalkeeper is diving for this ball, and for some reason, Damian Lowe sights it out of the air into his own goal. I feel so bad because it's one of those things that, like, in highlights, you'll see it, and you're just like, what are you doing? But, like, I know what he's trying to do. (laughs) You know, like, he's caught out of position a little bit. He's trying to get back. He's trying to make a last-ditch defending play, and he's just not. I mean, he's facing his own net, and he's thinking, I'll just blast this over my head and out. And that's just not what you need to do in that moment. So instead of clearing the ball, he smashes it into the roof of the net. I And it just, you, like, you can tell right away where he's just, like, he does not want to be in that stadium anymore. I feel bad. I don't feel like either team played particularly well. If anything, I felt like Miami probably had the slight edge in this game. So pretty fortuitous for Orlando. I think they played okay. My biggest takeaway from this game was just aesthetically pink and purple kits playing against each other looked real nice. I was a fan of that. (laughs) Um, Something happened in Canadian Premier League this week, and I was trying to decide which one was worse. Um, I don't know if you've seen this one. The Valor um, game? The 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 the, the Halifax Valor game. Yeah. Um the uh Al- Alessandro Riggi shoots the ball at the goal and for some reason a uh uh another forward from Valor saves it off the line. I'm like all he about asked, that. He... I'm all about that energy. Look, if you're a good defender, I don't care which goal <laughs> You're standing in front of no ball is he allowed to forward. go in. <laughs> <I know. laughs> he was a forward. He was a forward. He had one. All he had to do was nothing. I'm not allowed to applaud the defensive instinct, even if it was exactly <laughs> the opposite of his role and what needed to happen. It would cost him. Just, it would have cost him zero dollars. Look, if a ball is about to cross a line, sometimes you. I bet you anything. Before the game, the coach was like, "All right, you got to put in a defensive shift too. Like it's not just about scoring goals." And he's like, "All right." So that was that was twenty minutes in, and that was also at zero zero. But Valor won anyways. So <laughs> not the end of the world. It seems. No. Um. So that happened. <laughs> so that happened. And so that happened. And then I think to to cap off rivalry week, the 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 last match we have is uh, Portland Seattle going up to uh, Lumen Field. Is it called Lumen Field in Seattle? I forget. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. I keep. I get old names and new names. They've rebranded it. Cross referenced. Um, the artist formerly known as CenturyLink. <laughs> I forgot this was a brand. Is this a branded rivalry week? There were yep. I, I I didn't I didn't think of that, but then I guess there were a, a fair few. That's why Usually Vancouver find... played their greatest rival, Minnesota United. Yeah, I kind of like I'm used to Vancouver getting dealt in when that happens, but what can you do? Yeah, what can you do? Well, if you're Seattle, not much apparently. The Timbers on the rise. They have been mightily struggling but not this weekend because they pumped <laughs> Seattle hard. Um, and I'm, yes, I'm smiling while I'm saying it. Obviously the perfect result here is a nil-nil draw and all players being sent <laughs> off. But 
if it's got to happen some way, I'm also okay with Seattle losing. But Timbers put in an impressive performance in this one. I would not have predicted um, that all three Cascadia teams are right next to each other in, in the standings and all three are out of the playoffs. Yeah, not that would not be where, where I would have guessed <laughs> midseason. And it's also worth saying that, you know, we've talked about, of course, perennially Seattle does not like to start a season well. Um, but there, it's starting to, like, kind of get worrisome, right? Um, the, the longer this goes on, and they had been getting some decent results, but... Uh, I think it's Nies Goda and then Moreno and a PK and then Espria that scores that final goal. Um, Seattle was also playing with 10 men for basically an entire half in this one. It was just not, not Seattle's night. I'm sure Brian Schmetzer has a plan, but also, um, yeah, <laughs> not speaking of not like giving things up at home. This, this felt like uh, not Atlanta and Seattle's week for, rivalries no so we uh we push on with the uh we push on with the 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 footballing machine um we we had not mentioned yet that uh that vancouver uh is now facing tfc in the final of the canadian championship that's right the day after my birthday oh great well i hope uh we can deliver a slightly belated birthday win to you That'd be good. I feel slightly better about the fact that Josie Altidore won't be playing in this match, but also Vancouver doesn't have the greatest track record. (laughs) But hey, we made it to a final. I'm sure it'll be good. Sure, it'll be great. Sure, everyone will try very, very hard. Um, Do we want to talk about this last thing that you have here on the list? I don't know what the last thing on the list I have is. You have the um, so the the we the the fact that this uh, the the critique around um, the MLS clubs have not been as active mm. as uh, as NWSL clubs in um, any issuing statements um, following the uh, the U.S. Supreme Court repeal of Roe versus Wade. Yeah, um, which effectively removes the um, constitutional provision ensuring abortion rights in the U.S. Yeah, yeah. I think, I mean, I think it's a conversation that's continuing to happen across a lot of supporters groups, but uh, there were a number of MLS clubs that right away put out statements. Um, A couple more have followed suit a little bit later. A still pretty good chunk of MLS clubs have not made any sort of statement or have kind of basically said, like, we're not going to be making any statement. And there's still been no official statement from the league either. Um, I I definitely have seen a lot of MLS players talking about it. Um, Also, of course, there's continuing ongoing conversations about gun control as well. It definitely strikes me as odd is that MLS really seemed to decide to to turn a, a page and really be more vocal and be more active in social justice issues, um, often quite broadly, which is why they'd usually just call it social justice issues and not actually name the thing that they were supporting. But I, I feel like, right. you know, with the, the movement behind Black Lives Matter and Black Players for Change and it felt like there was some really good momentum um, across clubs and the league. 
And yeah, I think it's just noteworthy of saying that uh, there's a lot of supporters and supporters clubs that are really questioning their allegiances. And I know a lot of club or um, supporters have already talked about not re- renewing season tickets because they're their clubs and in some cases supporters clubs as well have just gone silent on this issue and um it's obviously something that affects just about everybody and disproportionately affects uh, a lot of people that mls has kind of claimed to be on the side of so it'll be interesting to see if in the coming weeks anything shifts but i would guess that you know at this point the decision was a few weeks ago, and it's kind of been crickets from the league and a lot of clubs. It's rough. It's rough because, like you, you said, the, the you know we just went from from pride jerseys to Juneteenth jerseys, and you know trying to to. I think the combination of that and also the fact that NWSL teams have been so vocal, and that lower division teams have been so vocal, um, you know, highlights that that gap. Um. I guess the other big thing um, happening in North American soccer is the the Concacaf W Championship. That's right. Is is en route and uh, Canada is qualified uh, once again for the next uh, FIFA Women's World Cup down there in uh, Australia, New Zealand. Yeah, and in some pretty enticing fashion as well. It's been some very good goals, some excellent play. Um, it's been very very good from the the Canadian women's side and as you would expect, but just like picking up where they left off looking very good. Heidem has been great. Julia Gross has been great. There was a match tonight as well, but um, I saw some of the, uh, the Trinidad Tobago one. That was a, um, that was one where essentially you had uh, the, um, I think for both this one and the Panama game, which is the one that, that put Canada into the world cup, those were games that started with essentially like um, really tight first halves, mm-hmm. and then of course they they lit Trinidad and Tobago up uh, in the second half, um, and then ended up being able to. But uh, I think it was one nothing for Panama, but they then have also, uh, as we speak today, um, beat Costa Rica two nothing. Tremendous! With a goal from Sophie Schmidt. All right, that's what I like to hear. I also I saw I caught the highlights of um haiti versus mexico and hats off to haiti they just played (laughs) real well in that one surprised everyone you love to see it that's amazing yeah yeah that's something that's that's something that this tournament helps with you know it gives you know this is something that's almost strange to me because of how like like the i guess it there's always you know a, a qualifying tournament but um certainly as as much as anybody um, women's teams need this this uh, nation's you know there's been this push to have like um, competitive games instead of friendlies and I feel like the, the that really benefits the women's game as well yeah yeah 100% well <laughs> until next week where can we find you online you can find me online on Twitter and Instagram, That's So MLS. You can, of course, find this podcast, thatsomls.com, on Apple Podcasts and wherever else you get your fine podcasts. Please rate, review, and subscribe. Where can we find you? You can find me online on Twitter at Team Bates, www.team-bates.com. Um, and until we speak next, uh, don't 
can see their own goal in, the, in stoppage time. Like, if you're going to kick it away, just make really sure you're go- facing the right direction before you smash that one. If you're... Yeah, if you're next to the goal line, um, remember what one it is. Yeah. And, and like, I say that as a defender that's given up some real howlers. So I'm going to just leave it there. I'm with you. In solidarity, it happens to the best of us. It can happen to you. In, don't get don't get sent off. In solidarity, to, in solidarity, do not get sent off. <laughs>